0: So, speaking of this, the prayer service we started a uh, three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, we started a three week series on the topic of prayer. Uh, Tuesday nights from seven to seven thirty. The idea is that you pray along with your brothers and sisters in Christ at the same time. That might mean, that might mean, what? at Jason's house this week, all right? So if you want to come join us at Jason's house this week, uh, or you can pray on the phone with somebody, or you pray with your spouse, or you pray by yourself. Um, I would like to ask, uh, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, so please don't take it that way. I have two different reasons for asking. Um, Have you had the opportunity uh, between the last two weeks to pray together between 7 to 7.30 uh, for something on the list that we prayed for? If you have, please raise your hand okay so uh the first reason i'm asking that is because i want you to be encouraged that you are not i know if you're praying at home you don't know what anybody else is doing so i want you to be encouraged that there are other people who are praying with you the second reason i asked is because I'm, I, I realized how difficult that really is it's hard to set aside time to pray um you know i think about march why do we pick the month of march because it's, calving, because it's calving season, let's pick the busiest month out of the year to say, let's try to do this. Uh, but I, I know people are busy because of, of calving season. I know uh, there's school things. I realized last Tuesday, there was a board meeting on Tuesday night. That's during the exact hours that we're trying to pray. I know it's easy to forget. The best of intentions is still easy to forget. And I know sometimes life just happens. And so it is hard to pray. But I do want to encourage you, you still have two weeks left in the month of March that you can get together and pray with other people uh, in our church. Um, Hopefully this continues into April, into May, into June, and we just keep praying year-round. I've been really encouraged uh, by, by this idea of praying from what I've heard in other churches, and like back home. And I just think it's really what our church needs. So I just want to encourage you even if it's not from 7 to 7.30, to spend time specifically praying. Um, you know, if I, if I could, I have candy up here. If I could bribe you adults to come up here and give me reasons why it's difficult to pray, uh, I would. If I, if I knew I could get away with some answers, I would. But since I can't, uh, I would, I, I'm going to make up some answers for you. Why is, it, why is it that we find it hard to pray? I'm sure we would hear answers such as, I, I'm busy. But I think I'd hear more that, I don't feel like my answers are making it past the ceiling. I don't feel like God's really listening. I don't feel like God is answering how I want him to answer. And those are legitimate concerns we have when we pray. We're not going to tackle those. Uh, Last week, we did kind of uh, connect to those a little bit when we talked about what hinders our prayer life. When we we talked about if we ignore God... What he's telling us, he's going to ignore us. If we are cherishing sin, uh, he's, we, he's not going to listen. If we have doubt that he's going to give us an answer. If we're only praying for selfish things, he's not interested in that kind of prayer. But if we pray with an upright, righteous life, asking in faith according to God's will, we have the guarantee that he is going to listen. It's not a guarantee you're going to get the answer that you want, but you can have complete confidence that God is listening to the prayers that you pray. So today we're going to talk about two uh, problems with prayer, and these are problems that I have with prayer, okay? And I've talked to a few people, and people understand these problems with prayer. Uh, And the idea is not to give you some other reason to not want to pray. This is another issue of why would I pray if if that's another reason. But to say that this, to recognize we all have problems with prayer and realize that there are solutions, there are answers to the problems that we pray, um, or that we deal with, that we find in Scripture. So I'm going to look at the scriptures to say, Josh, be encouraged to pray anyway. So let's pray and we'll, we'll dive into these two problems. Dear God, I I thank you that you listen to me, that you care about the words that I'm bringing before you as a request. Uh, I am asking right now that you would give me the words to share today, and God, that you would give me the ability to speak clearly, to enunciate that your word would come accurately out of my mouth, no matter what I say, that we would hear only what you want us to hear. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, problem number one in prayer is praying according to God's will. First uh, John chapter five verses fourteen through fifteen says, "This is the confidence that if we have in, in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us, and we know that if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him." Anybody here say what is the problem with that verse? What is your problem with prayer? Uh, my, but you know, it doesn't—it doesn't seem like a problem, and it really shouldn't be a problem. Uh, you know, it shouldn't be a problem to pray according to God's will. Last week we talked about praying, how it's important to pray according to God's will. If we look at the whole of Scripture, we look and say, I know that God is omniscient. I know that God is in control. I know in Matthew, I think, chapter 11, Jesus talks about what could have been. He says, uh, Sodom, if they would have seen the miracles that you saw in, in these specific towns, they would have repented. They would have changed. Jesus knows what would have happened. He knows what would have happened if, if I'd have moved to Plebna, if I would have went to North Dakota like I tried to do in the first place. He knows if that would have been good for me or not. He knows if I would have married someone else besides Leslie, what that would have meant. If you would have got a, a different grade on your test, he knows what could have been. And he says, "This is the path I picked for you." And, and he says, "That's so why I should be able to look at that and say, I, I shouldn't have a prayer. Or I shouldn't have a problem praying according to God's will." Well, when things turn out according to God's will that I want, it's easy to pray. It's easy to be excited. Think about somebody who's sick. You know, somebody's sick and we pray and they get well. I'm excited. That's exactly what I wanted. Uh, you know, I need. we need moisture. God, please give us moisture. I don't care how it comes. I prefer the rain over the snow, but please give us moisture and voila, you get moisture. Anybody excited? Or think about that family member that needs to come back home that needs to straighten out their life that needs salvation and you are praying to God and it happens hallelujah praise the Lord I am excited that God answered my prayers it doesn't get better than that but think about when things don't turn out the way that I want you know that one person that we're, that's sick that we're praying for that they get well and they don't seem to ever get better and actually they die ooh that's tough Or think about, you know, a couple years ago. What did we have? We had a drought, right? We all sat right here and we prayed a couple of different times. God, we need rain, please. There is no hay. There is no grass. There is nothing. Please give us rain. Did God give us rain? No. We were stuck with the drought. Boy, it's getting a little bit tougher to pray according to God's will, isn't it? That family member that I'm praying gets saved, that comes back home, that gets their life straightened out, and they didn't get it straightened out, and we're still waiting. Anybody here say, I got a problem with praying. When things do not turn out how I want... And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not thinking about your life and your situation. And so if this is ringing a bell somewhere, that is not on me. I'm thinking about my life and my situation. And I say, wow, when I think about praying according to God's will, I've got a real problem. Because God's will and my will do not always line up. Now, I will tell you, sometimes it's a piece of cake to pray according to God's will. God, please bless the food to my body. I assume he's going to I still I've been eating food since I was born and I've been fine pretty much every time Uh, I think about this um, Bud Fuchs told me about a pastor who during church collapsed and he got hauled off to the hospital and they had to do some um, amazing work inside to keep this guy alive and hopefully he's going to be fine but uh, you know we prayed I mean I, I sent that out as a prayer request I don't know the guy so let's just say the guy died Well, God's will was done. You know, I'm not going to shed any tears. I mean, this guy's got five kids that are young and a wife. He's a music pastor at a church. If he dies, I'm not going to shed any tears. I'm not going to go to Utah to go to a funeral. I sound really heartless, right? Okay, put the shoe on the other foot. If I fell down here practically dead and he heard about this, do you think he's going to cry? No. He's going to say, God, your will be done and move on with his life. So if it doesn't impact me, I can pray for God's will to be done all the time. But when it does impact me, that's where I find that it's difficult to pray and that's where the struggle comes in you know if we look at scripture there's all sorts of times where God did amazing things God gave people back their sight God um, he, he cast demons out of people he even raised the dead and I look and say wow that's amazing you know some of those things people prayed specifically to have happen but not every prayer that's prayed in the Bible was answered favorably or the way that this guy wanted we're going to look at the guy by the name of Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 9. So if you want to turn there, I'm not going to talk about that yet, or actually read the scriptures yet. But you all know Paul. Paul was a guy that we just traveled with through the book of Acts. He went from being the persecutor of the Christians to the promoter of the Christian faith. He went on three different, at least three different missionary journeys for months, maybe even years at a time. Uh, he, he dealt with uh, persecution. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. Uh, he was left for dead. I mean, he, he went through, he faced all sorts of punishments because he was a promoter of the Christian faith. He, and he was good at it. And he was famous for it. He's re- he wrote several books in the New Testament. At one point in his life, uh, you can read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he got to experience the third heaven. Now, what is the third heaven? Well, let's count from this heaven number one. You go outside and you look up in the sky. You see blue skies right now. You might see a few clouds. That is considered the first heaven. He, he the second heaven is you guys were discussing this at Iwana a couple weeks ago there were a couple planets out there that look like stars that's the second heaven that's where the stars and the planets are and the constellations that's pretty impressive and that's amazing just to be there the third heaven is actually where god is at That's where Paul went to where God was at. He said, whether I was in the Spirit, or or this guy who's referring to himself, whether he went there in the Spirit, or whether he really went there on his own, he got to see something incredible to be in the presence of God. And he, it says, because of this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, to keep me from being conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. Now, if you've ever had a sliver or a thorn in your hands, how content are you to have that there? You know, when I I remember getting a sliver as a kid, I just ignored it until finally it gets all pussy and you got to get mom and dad to dig it out. But typically, if I have a problem with my hand right now, I'm taking this out. I'll dig out with my pocket knife because I don't want that to be there. Paul, He's got this agitation in him, and it's not something he can just ignore. It says he pleaded with God to take it away. He begged. I mean, how, what kind of situation do you have to be in where you're begging? you got to be desperate, right? This is it's either you help me or nothing. There's nothing else that's going to solve my problem. That's the position that Paul's in. He's begging God, please get rid of this, this thorn in my flesh. This was no light prayer request. This was a big deal. And, and did God come to his rescue right away? You all know, the human side of me says, he better, he better go help Paul of all people. Paul was, he was the, the greatest missionary probably who ever lived. He was the first one out there doing that blazing trails. Uh, but no, God did not come to his rescue right away. It says in verse nine, uh, it says in verse 9, this is what Jesus said My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So, in other words, Paul, no, I'm not going to remove that thorn in your flesh, but I will be with you to help you make it through the suffering that comes along with that thorn in this flesh. We don't know how long he kept it. If that, if finally that. Uh, all that, whatever, however you put it, that the messenger of Satan finally left, or if he was there till the death, but it was something that Paul had to deal with, and Jesus says, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to be with you, and Paul, he didn't cry the blues, he didn't get mad, he didn't get frustrated, he actually responded in a positive way because he knew that with God's help he could get through this, that God was going to help him survive his trial, and if he had God with him, he was going to be okay. That was Paul's response. You know, I've, I found myself on the side of Paul where I, I prayed and did not get the answer that I wanted. I mean, maybe you guys say that happens all the time. Uh, my, my specific situation goes back to when I was 17 years old. I was, I was one of those guys, you probably would have liked me I was not on a ranch, but I buck bales. You know, the little ones that you could buck all day long. Alfalfa, 90-pound bales. I don't look like it. I did it all day long. And I drove a tractor, and I built fence, and I picked rocks, and I did all sorts of stuff all day long. While I was doing that, my brother went off to... Coquelin Lake Bible Camp. And he was serving there as a missionary. Now, he, he was called a, a summer missionary intern, or an SMI, and he would raise support. So he would come in front of a church like you and say, please support me. I'm going to be uh, washing dishes, cleaning the bathrooms, sharing the gospel with kids all summer long. And people would give him a little bit of money. And I, I, I made gobs and gobs of money compared to what he made. Well, one, one day, uh, while I was at home watching TV relaxing, in walks my brother. And he's two hours away. There's no reason he should be there middle of the week. And he comes home and he's sick. Well, that's normal. People get sick. And he, he, he goes to, to sleep. And then it's like the following Sunday he's supposed to leave and he doesn't go. Because it's bothering him. His 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 body is having issues. He ended up, I don't think, even going back that summer. He ended up just getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, he went to the doctor. They did gobs and gobs of tests. And it got to the point where I remember laying in bed wondering if my brother's still alive and I would go over because he just slept on his back and his chest it wouldn't even barely budge and so this is what I'm thinking my brother's dead laying there on this bed and I would just watch to see and try to listen it got to, to be that scary for me that my brother wasn't going to make it and, you know, since then, he's, he's improved some. Um, he, he got married uh, to a very understanding woman. They, they have three kids. He, he became a pastor, but he still has all these health issues. He finally had to give up preaching. Now he's, uh, I try to get help with him on the computer. He can only spend so much time doing that. And that's something that he's really good at. Uh, you know, a couple years ago, he had a brain tumor, a cancerous brain tumor that was removed. That's a pretty big deal. I, I know I sent out like a, a month and a half ago uh, an email thinking I thought he's going to die. I, I just decided I'm going to Skype him out of the blue. Uh, his face is swollen. He can't hardly talk. Um, he's just, I'm like, I've, I've no idea. I don't even know how to contain my emotion looking at him. Because I'm like thinking he is gone. Thankfully, he's, he went to the doctors and he doesn't have a tumor, but he still has something going on. You know, I have to tell you, out of this side of my mouth, guess what I'm praying? I am trying desperately to pray for God's will to be done. Because I know God loves my brother. God is in control. God can do whatever he wants. And God is good. But out of this side of my mouth, guess what I'm praying? Please do what I want. I don't care what you want. Because I want my brother. He has a wife. He has three kids. I want what I want to be done. And I asked my brother, I said, how do you get through this? What What is it that you do to get through this each day? And he says, well, I remember it's tough. First of all, it's tough to get through this. He said, I remember that God is good. And I remember that God is in control. And that's what he tells himself to get through this. And I think this... Uh, makes me think of the, uh, the acts of prayer, adoration. That's where we praise God for who he is. And we, re- we say, I remember God in scripture that you are forgiving, that you are loving. And if I f- fill your mind with how good God really is because when those tough times come and God seems like he's a million miles away, you've got to be able to fall back on the fact of how good God really is and know that God really loves you. I have, to, I have to remind myself of scriptures such as these. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. You know, he, he's already given us the greatest thing he could give us. That's eternal life. You know, and if, if he's willing to do that, I know that he, he loves me enough for whatever else I'm facing. Romans eight twenty eight twenty nine tells me that God's working all things out for out for my good, and I know it's everything's out for my brother's good. And so i got to remind myself, i got to remember that God is good. Even though things aren't turning out the way that I want, ultimately God loves me. Ultimately God is good. He's doing what's best. And so I need to pray according to His will. Because God is the one who's in control, He's the one who cares, and He's the one who can do something about it. So it's not really a problem. It's really the right response that I should have. It's to trust God. I'm trusting Him for my salvation, but I need to trust Him to do what's best in my life on an everyday basis as well so problem number one really shouldn't be a problem that's praying for God's will to be done problem number two is just praying for other people this might seem like a silly thing to to say I have a problem with praying for other people Josh you just said you prayed for your brother Josh you, you, you said we're promoting this prayer meeting on Tuesday nights how could it be a problem to pray for other people well it's hard enough already to pray for people that I like Right? I like people and I love you guys. And, you know, if I have that bus time, I say, Praise God that I have the bus as much as I hate the bus. Because that's a focused time all day while I'm driving that I can pray. But I know it's easy to get busy and not pray. But we're, the, some of the things that we should be praying for that might be a little bit more difficult to pray for is praying for those in authority over us. He, Paul says that. I, that I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, all the people that you like, including kings and those in authority, that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness. So he's saying, I want you to pray that God, for those in authority over you, that you would keep evil from happening to them. I want you to pray for their good, that good things would happen to them, and I want you to pray on behalf of them. Right? And and pray, you hear about a need that they have, I want you to lift that up to them. You know, for them, they had Roman rulers over them that they didn't want. And Paul's saying, pray for them. These are the people who ultimately are going to be putting Paul in prison, putting Paul to death. And he's still telling these people, this is what you need to do. So let's... Um, So, okay, so uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 7. This is when God's people finally get hauled off to Babylon. And this is uh, what God tells the people that they need, or through Jeremiah, He says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city of Babylon, to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You know, praying for. I mean, it just if we stop and really think about this, they were they were in their city. They're struggling to stay alive because there's, all all the resources from the outside were cut off for them. There's people who are dying of hunger, dying of starvation. They, the enemy finally breaks into the city, starts killing people, starts hauling them off. I mean, I I, I almost guarantee you, every single person that went to Babylon was suffering somehow someone in their family died, someone of their neighbors died, someone that they cared about was injured, and if they they get displaced, they get taken to Babylon, they maybe get separated from there, so they have nothing comfortable. And Jeremiah says, you need to pray for the city. That would be a very difficult thing to do. We find this in Scripture, that this is real-life practical stuff that they were expected to do. No, let's fast forward. Okay, we're not in Babylon. We don't have Roman rulers over us. So, I'm going to pick on the kids first. Okay? Think about the authority that's over you. Your school teachers. You like to pray for your school teachers? You know, my school teacher's nice. They're great. You, you, know, uh, you think about your coach. You like your coach, right? He lets you play basketball, or she lets you play basketball. You like to pray for your coach? What about your parents? They raised you, <laughs> they provide for you, life is good. They, they give you presents on your birthday or Christmas. They uh, give you a nice warm house to live in. It's hard enough to pray for those people when life is good. But let's just say your rotten teacher gives you homework for the weekend. Oh boy, I want to pray for my teacher. Anybody want to do that? I don't think so. What about the coach says you're sitting on the bench for the rest of the game or says, while we were in practice, you're running. Anybody here excited to pray for your coach, kids? No, come on, shake your head. No, I don't want homework. I don't want to pray for my coach. What about your parents? They ground you. They say, no, you can't go to the party. No, you can't go hang out with your friends. No, you can't buy whatever. All of a sudden, do you feel like praying for mom and dad? You want to pray they change their mind. But that's it. You don't feel this interconnection to say, I want to pray for those in authority over me. But these are the people that are in authority over you. We need to pray for them. Okay, adults, you're getting picked on next, but you don't get any pictures. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who is an authority over you? Well, I have two main ones. That would be your boss, right? Unless you're self-employed. But your, your boss, do you feel like praying for your boss? Typically, no. You just, you go to work, you go home, and you move on. Um, what about the government? Do you pray regularly for the president, for the... Um, Any other official governing people out there? You know, when life is good, I don't think people get real excited to pray. That's why, but Paul says it's important to do that. I try to put it first in the prayer chain because it's something we're told to do. It doesn't come naturally. Now think about your boss who all of a sudden uh, won't give you the raise. All of a sudden says you have to work late on the weekend. All of a sudden says no to that request that you want. Are you excited to pray for your boss? probably not what about the government you say i don't like who's in charge i don't like the rules the laws that they're making i don't like the the personality that they have i don't like anything about them do you want to pray for those in authority over you no i don't want to because i'm not happy i'm gonna be happy to pray that they get replaced that they go away but i don't want to pray this. I don't want to pray that evil doesn't happen to them. I don't want to pray that only good happens or pray anything on their behalf. But that's what Paul is telling those people that they need to do. So that's why it's a a problem with prayer. It is a hard thing to make yourself do, especially if you only have a limited number of time and you have a lot of other needs you'd rather pray for. Uh, it's, It's a difficult thing to do. Another difficult thing is praying for my enemies Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow, that is not, a, not something that typically comes to mind. If somebody is picking on me or is causing me harm, do you think I want to, the first thing that thought comes to mind is to pray for them? No, I'm thinking, I'll get away from me. I'm thinking, revenge. I'm thinking, what do I do to stop this physically right now? I'm not thinking at any point to pray for them. That's not what I want to do. Uh, persecute means to harass, to trouble, to persecute, to pursue with repeated acts of hostility. Yeah, let me pray for that person. Uh, despitefully use you is to insult you, to to treat abusively, to falsely accuse especially in relation to the law Uh, it's it's to the point where even the good things that you do get spoken bad about by them you want to pray for those people? no, you don't, I know you don't I can read your mind, heck no I I hope you don't have an enemy, but the next time you do get one I hope this comes to mind I hope it comes to my mind, too, because I'm going to struggle with it. But this is what God's word says to do. He says to pray for them. You know, in Acts chapter seven, Stephen was getting pelted with rocks to the death uh, Paul who was Saul at the time was the one holding everybody's coach so that they could have an easier time throwing and he's protecting their coats and Stephen's getting pelted with rocks knowing he's going to die he says Lord do not hold this in against them I'm praying for a force field right I'm praying for a shield he says don't hold this against them how but that's what he did when Jesus is hanging on the cross from his own body whatever the the nails in his wrists or his hands and his feet and that weight from his own body is pulling him down is praying for his enemies and so I know this is almost impossible I know this would be hard to do but I know it, it is possible with the help of God because Jesus did it yeah he's God of course he could but Stephen did it too Right? It is something that we are called to do, but it is not easy. It's not easy to do, but it's something that God wants us to do. So what are we we praying for these people? Well, we can pray that they recognize that they are doing something wrong and that they stop. That's a great thing to pray for them. We we can pray that God would grant them salvation because really, if they're acting this way, ultimately, that's what they need. And me, I'm sorry to sound so prideful because I don't want to, but I'm going to look a lot better than somebody who's grown up persecuting Christians their whole life. Like me against Saul, who's going to look good? Even if I wasn't a Christian, my life looks... A lot better, but God loves is concerned about us exactly the same. The person on death row who's who's killed fifteen people and done a number of other things, He loves him as much as He does me. I'm nothing more special. He's nothing worse. And Jesus loved me enough to go to the cross to pay for my sins and loves them just the same. If we think about this in today's standards, how hard this could be? Uh, you, you get you got a car. somebody has taken their key and they wrote wrote your name in it they keyed your car what do you want to do you want to kill them pray for them Uh, you get a letter in the mail someone says they're going to sue you and they don't have any good grounds or reason to sue you what do you want to do fight and yell and get mad We need to pray for them. At kids at school, you've got a good name, and gossip is flying around that school with with your good name attached. The first response you have is not going to be to pray, but that's what Jesus calls us to do, is to pray for our enemies. Real problems with prayers, but they're not overcomable. On your own, you can't choose to pray this way. You can't choose to love your enemy. You can't choose anything different than what you naturally want to do. But God is there to help you. Prayers, when we talk to God. He wants to hear from you. He loves you. It is a blessing and a privilege for God's children to be able to pray to Him. But life is not all about me and my comforts and my wants and about the people that I like. Prayer is is included in praying. For, for people in authority over me and for my enemies and, and everybody else around me, even if I don't like them or know them. But I, I just want to encourage you. And I, I'm, I'm speaking to myself. If there was a big mirror here, that would be enough. Is that make sure that you pray according to God's will because ultimately God knows what's best. He loves you and he's working everything out for your good and for the good of, of those that you're praying for. So don't 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 be discouraged to pray. Be encouraged to pray because ultimately God is good and God is in control. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for uh, the opportunity this last couple of weeks to look at prayer, and I just pray. I'm asking God that you would help me to do a better job in praying for those that I don't want to pray for, uh, for those in authority over me, for those who. I may not like. Uh, for those that don't really impact my life, please help me to pray for them. And God, I pray that even more that you'd help me to pray according to your will, knowing that your will is better. God, because you already proved that you love me, there's nothing more that you would even have to do because you sent Jesus to this cross, to the earth, to die for my punishment so that I can have salvation. Please, God, help me to, to love it and to, to pray for other people, and please help me to trust you as much as you love me.